0: Good
1: morning. Welcome. Okay. Welcome to church this morning at University Heights, United Methodist Church. It's great to be with you here on this first Sunday in Lent. Uh, We are beginning a new worship series today entitled Were You There? Spending a little time with those who uh, witnessed the crucifixion at the cross. So I hope this uh, season is meaningful to you and your spiritual devotion development time. I'm Pastor David. My card is our liturgist today. Joanne Hannon is doing our children's uh, sermon today. So we're thankful for all those helping to participate. We welcome you if you're uh, worshiping with us online, via radio, those of you who are visiting today. As a reminder, there are uh, note cards in the pews and we invite those who are guests to fill those out so we can express our thanks that you've been with us. Those can always be placed in the offering plates, which are located at each of the doorways into the sanctuary. Uh, Today, we're beginning a new class called Witness at the Cross. It's an extension, a deeper look of some of the themes we'll be talking about in the Sunday service. Uh, It's a video lesson presented by Professor Amy Jill Levine. I'll be helping facilitate that. It's taking place in the Adalinks Sunday School classroom, which is on the preschool, lower level preschool hall. But anyone is invited to uh, participate. We've got plenty of, plenty of seats available, so come on out after the service starting today. Uh, remember also we have Lenten devotional material available through our church Facebook page, as well as a few printed uh, copies out in the narthex. Big event coming up next Saturday, Kids Sensational Saturday. It starts at noon. Kids ages five through fifth, sixth grade are invited to participate. Lots of different activities, stations, food, crafts, music, great adult volunteers. So uh, bring, bring family, grandkids, invite neighbors. We're really hoping this will be a great uh, learning outreach experience. And if you still have a a bug to help out in some way, reach out to myself or Mary Mary Lynn Winslow about that. Uh, Lastly, I did wanna just share before we greet each other this morning, this week there was some uh, denominational news released about the United Methodist Church. The first announcement was that our general conference, which is a gathering of United Methodist delegates from around the world, was originally scheduled for the year 2020, has been postponed, was going to meet this August, has been postponed again until 2024, uh, primarily based on the fact that international delegates are having a very difficult time securing visas to travel to the conference. So that's painful um, in, in the ways that there is conversations, decisions that need to be made that will be put off another two years um, the other news is uh, a more uh, conservative branch of methodism will be launching this may the global methodist church has announced uh you know their start date may 1st of 2022. Um, in terms of university heights will continue in our ministry and our mission uh, your pastor is unashamedly uh, united methodist and will continue to lead in that way Um, and so I hope that we'll continue with uh, vigor and with courage as we attempt to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world um, expressing the love hope and joy of this place Uh, so if you have more questions or want to talk more in depth about that please reach out to me and I'd love to set up a time to do so excellent well again welcome great to be here with you today as we hear both word and celebrate at the Lord's table Please, at this point, greet those around you. Express a warm welcome to this time of worship together. Nice purple mic. We're going together. We breathe in the great gift of the Holy Spirit. We exhale out the anxiety and worries of this world, and we receive the good gifts God has to offer us in this time. Gracious Lord of the Spirit, Lord of our hearts, Lord over all creation, lover of this world and its people, gather us in once again. Reflect on your great mercy as we confess our brokenness. Feed us with the life of your love as we acknowledge our incompleteness without you. Gather our speech, words that hurt, transform them into words that encourage. Give us sight to see you on the cross as you give yourself for us so that we might offer ourselves for others. Inspire our worship as we serve in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>
2: Please stand as you are able and join me for the call to worship. Jesus began his ministry to the world, led by the Spirit into the wilderness.
3: As we begin our living journey, let us be led by the Spirit,
1: even into the uncomfortable places.
2: In those 40 days, and in that place, Jesus was faced with hunger, doubt, and temptation. Jesus left the wilderness, faithful and obedient to God, rejoicing in the one in whom he trusted.
1: As we continue in our path of faithfulness, we will be led by our Christ, rejoicing
4: in the Lord our God.
2: You can follow along with the hymn of praise on the monitors. Please join me for the affirmation of faith. It's on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead,
1: You may be seated. As we prepare for this time of offering, uh, I've invited Starla Hilgert to join us and share uh, a moment about the ministry of the Children's Center, which will be the recipient of our Loose Change mission offerings for the month of March.
3: Good morning. Our Children's Center childcare program has a long-standing history at University Heights United Methodist Church. It has been a vital part of many young lives for over 50 years, helping to shape the lives of children in our community and give them a great start in their education. I had the privilege to be a part of that ministry for 25 years in my career. For the month of March, our Loose Coin offering will go to support the Children's Center ministry. Their fundraising efforts this year will go toward new equipment for playgrounds and helping to make the playgrounds an extension of the classroom experience. And I'm sure the Loose Coin Collections this month will help them achieve that goal. The past two years have been very challenging for the Children's Center staff and families, and Chris Roberts has done a tremendous job helping the program keep running and the children safe and cared for. In your bulletin this morning, Um, There's a thank you from Chris. It's, It's like that page right there. There's a thank you from Chris for your continued support of the Children's Center ministry. And as you drop off your loose coin into the offering plate each Sunday in March, would you please pray for the leadership, for the staff, and for the families of the Children's Center? Thank you.
2: Gracious Lord and Savior, we are humbled by your journey of selfless suffering and sacrifice. May your example lead us to give abundantly and extravagantly so all may know your name and experience your love. Amen. may be seated. The Old Testament lesson today is from Proverbs 12, five through seven, and then 13 to 20. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The advice of the wicked is treacherous. The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush. But the speech of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more. But the house of the righteous will stand. The evil are ensnared by the transgression of their lips. But the righteous escape from trouble. From the fruit of the mouth, one is filled with good things and manual labor has its reward. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their anger at once, but the prudent ignore an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness speaks deceitfully. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the mind of those who plan evil, but those who counsel peace have joy." And our New Testament Epistle lesson is from James chapter 4, 11 through 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Please
5: join us in singing hymn number three
2: ninety. Forgive our sins as we forgive. Thank okay. okay. you. Our gospel lesson today is from Mark chapter 15, 27 to 32. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him.
1: With the hearing of the word in our hearts, we invite the children to come forward for the children's message this morning.
0: Is this on? It's on. I thought I was sidelined there for a minute when I didn't see any children. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about. What it, do you know what it means to be sidelined? Do you know what it means just to say he's on, he's on the sideline? Well, if you watch a basketball game, you often see the coach walking back and forth on the sidelines, right? He's walking back and forth on the sidelines, and um, I do. You ever feel like you're on on the sidelines? And what that means is you're not really involved. You're watching other people being involved, but you're on the sidelines looking in. Do you ever? Are you ever that way or have you ever felt like you wish you could participate Well when I was when I was young and about your age I was a good basketball player I was going to be a gym teacher when I grew up but I never grew up So I've never been a gym teacher but I was a good basketball player, and I was never on the sidelines. I was always in the middle of the game, and I've sort of been that way about my life. I don't like to be on the sidelines. Um, Doing this little message today to you is because I don't want to always be on the sidelines. I like to be doing something, something for my church, something for other people. So, uh, so anyway, if you think about it, there were people on the sidelines around Jesus. There were, there were quite a few women when Jesus was being crucified. There were three Marys there. There were other people. There were women along the sidelines crying, sobbing. But you know, to Jesus, no one is on the sidelines not you not me not my hubby not anybody is on the sidelines with jesus we're all in the game and he wants us to be in the game with him any questions or comments did i do all right thank you Now you may, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for involving us in life, for giving us things to do, for giving us challenges, for putting things in front of us that have to be taken care of. We just thank you that we're able to be involved and not always on the sidelines. Thank you very much. Amen.
1: I wonder, do we have any current or formal sports officials in the audience today, or family members who are a referee? Anyone listening online, perhaps? I want to take this time to apologize to you. Um, (laughs) Myself nor our family has been very kind to referees. They draw out the worst in us. We tend to say some things that we don't normally say to other people. Um, You've led husbands and wives to watch games in different rooms. Uh, You've inspired the purchase of what was called a bad call brick, so that when my grandfather was infuriated by calls, he could throw that at the television and not cause any permanent damage. You've even caused personal injury to some of my family members. One broke his foot. Perhaps a great example of how our family has become unhinged by you referees was my wonderful grandmother when attending a little league baseball game was uh, feeling like the calls from behind the plate were so atrocious that she continued to berate the umpire until he paused the game and looked up and said, lady. If you think you could do any better, why don't you come down here? To which she got up out of the bleachers and started to come down. (laughs) So, yeah, we're kind of embarrassing to go to games with. Um, But we have our limits. I was reading a story by Mark Halsey, who officiated 250 matches of the English Premier League soccer. And uh, after a Liverpool-Manchester game, he was sent death threats after ejecting one of the Liverpool players. Police had to escort him off of the pitch following the match, and then days later his family received mail indicating that people were gonna try and come and harm him and his family members. And I think what, you know, what really leads us to that kind of hostility aimed at another person? You know, what, what can really compel us to go out of our way, to use and muster our energy and time to destroy other people, other children of God, particularly with our words. Recently in the Shalom Sunday School class, Chris Wilson showed the members a famous picture by Will Counts. And this is a picture of Elizabeth Eckford, one of the nine African-American students who was uh, recruited to test school integration in Arkansas and there she is entering the all-white Little Rock High School. And she's swarmed, you see, by an angry mob. And one of the young women pictured directly off of her shoulder there, 15-year-old Hazel Bryan Massery, uh, screaming hysterically, shouting slurs, hatred on her face, you know, bigotry and intolerance. It's a little heartwarming to know that Elizabeth and Hazel have reconciled over time. They may even go as far as saying that they are friends to one another, but for that moment, September 4, 1957, Hazel's attacking Elizabeth with all her ugliness that she can muster. And you might say, well, we don't live in the 1950s. Well, this picture was just taken five years ago in Charlottesville, Virginia, with as much vitriol Slurs remaining the same. You know, what causes someone, whether a teenager or a grown adult, to fill the streets with cursing and degrading speech? I know we use swear words to express emotion. They creep out when we're most excited or most upset. More than that, though, cursing is a display of power. We are rejecting courtesy. We are embracing taboo. There is some sense of triumph when we break the rules of proper speech. Cursing becomes slurs as that practice of power is extended over another person. Slurs don't just express emotion or discontent. They are aimed to oppress, to harm, to degrade their targets, to make them feel humiliated, dehumanized. Disempowered Slurs are often the result of our own fear, our un- unsettledness, things are changing. We are trying to control the situation in whatever way possible. And they reveal so often that we can become consumed by the vicious energy of a crowd. And this seems to be at play in the case of all those witnessing Jesus's crucifixion, as they shout at him, as they spew slurs at him, they reveal their own fear, their own discomfort, at how his ministry has unraveled their world. The march to the place of execution begins in Mark's gospel, with the introduction of Simon of Cyrene, who's compelled to carry the horizontal beam to which Christ will be attached. And then few other details are given. Jesus arrives at Golgotha. He's offered some myrrh wine by the soldiers, probably not a gesture of kindness, more of mocking, because this type of wine typically referred to royalty. And then Jesus is crucified. No details of nails, pain, thirst. Jesus doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything until his final cry. Nothing about his unflinching courage wavering faith. In Mark's gospel, we just see a humble man offering his life and also truly experiencing pain, not only physical pain, but verbal abuse. We hear the taunting, the chorus of those who come by and spot him on the way. They make light of his inability to save himself. What a said he could rebuild the temple in three days. He can't even do this easy task of escaping this torture. It's interesting here, the crowd is using a line, Jesus will rebuild the temple in three days. It was earlier acknowledged as a false testimony by the scribes, meaning the scribes either used Jesus' words out of context or they made them up. So the slurs being hurled at Jesus are not facts, they're lies, but the crowd uses them as the truth. And how common is that? That when we belittle others, we so often use words that are false, that are mistruth. It seems so much evil speech could be undone with just a little awareness and knowledge. The chief priests and scribes do not taunt Jesus directly They speak about him to each other, but loud enough so he can hear. Also saying, Jesus, come down, and then we would see and believe. They know that Jesus invited the disciples to come and see as part of his faith invitation, and now they are throwing in a bit of sarcasm, turning his own words against him. They point out, here's a Messiah who's supposed to save everyone, and he can't even save himself. Again and again. It's like a song on repeat. It feels like the parent hearing their child sing that famous Disney chorus over and over again. Jesus hears words rejecting him. His life, has it had any influence on these people? Has he moved them at all? Has he transformed them with his acts of love one bit? I know you've considered before the whip upon his back, the striking of nails into his hands. But give some thought this week to the verbal abuse he suffered. Think about words that have been spoken against you or words that you've spoken against someone else, the type of pain they cause, where these words come from. If you've spoken them, repent of these words. If you've received them, pray for healing from these words. On behalf of those who are bombarded by them, ask God to eradicate these words. As the story is presented in Mark's gospel, we get a sense that everyone is against Jesus. Do you really think that every single person who walked by him. Probably not. It's an artistic rendering of a loud collective voice alluding to well-known scripture like Lamentations 2.15. All who see me mock me and they make mouths as me and they shake their heads. At least there was one person, right? Seeing a man dying on the cross was able to hold his or her tongue, not join the rant. Certainly there was at least one innocent bystander. However, according to A.J. Levine, the great New Testament and Jesus scholar, she said there are no innocent bystanders. You either condemn Jesus and his ministry, or you witness to the truth in him and speak up about it. Passive silence in the face of suffering is just an endorsement that this torture can continue. I'm reminded of a new family favorite movie of old, the musical turned movie 1776 with William Daniels singing for independence as John Adams. And at the turn of the story, every time Continental Congress takes a vote, the delegation from New York reliably answers, we abstain courteously, to which John Hancock explodes and says, what the hell's going on in New York? To abstain is to fail to support. To watch idly is to allow that current power of injustice to continue. There are no innocent observers. New Testament professor Douglas Hare remembers a trip he took to Toronto to visit the beautiful chapel of Victoria College. Inside there was a beautiful oil painting of the crucifixion. On the left side of the painting were the three crosses. The suffering criminals, or so those in charge said. And on the right was a crowd of people dressed in their best 19th century attire. The men and women were laughing, talking. A newsboy was shouting out the headlines. A very pompous bishop was walking by, not catching any glimpse of the horror going on. In the stream of all this human traffic there was but one person in the scene a fashionably dressed young woman who sees Jesus on her face is a look of momentary horror and then the movement of her body assumes leaving the cross is it nothing to you all you who pass by look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow 1 verse 12. Suffering continues to surround us. Unjust sentences are made. People are misunderstood. Lies are uttered. Racist and homophobic comments go unchecked. Villainizing of others is allowed. Resources are not made available to everyone. Food is scarce. Children lag in school. The skies behind smiles, people live alone. Do we notice? Do we see? Or is it not my issue? I can silently walk by, quietly, as long as I'm not uttering hateful words. I'm still someone with love upon my heart, am I not? Maybe we need to make a a sound from Joanne's sideline. Maybe we need to speak up to show up into that game. Maybe our Lenten discipline this year is cultivating awareness and then responding to what God has shown us. Maybe we interrupt hate speech. Maybe we counter with the rhetoric of love. Maybe rather than abstaining from pie this March, we abstain from being a quiet bystander who is now compelled to speak good news into action. There are as truth to be told, letters of encouragement to be written, visits to be made, apologies to be offered, protests to be voiced, strangers to be embraced, gifts to be shared. For the sake of our allegiance with Jesus, I invite you this Lent to make some joyful noise in His name. As we walk through this series, Were You There?, we'll be inviting 40 days alone, a wilderness of thoughts, tempting, inviting thoughts, which could have so easily distracted Jesus from his task. And yet he emerged stronger and more attuned than all that had to be done. We too live in stressful times, depending on others to help us, but we know demands are made Appointments, tasks, hours upon hours of worry about loved ones and our future. All this leaves so little for the important things of life. We are easily distracted in the wilderness of our lives by every call to go this way or that way and do all that would keep us from the truth. We listen to the voices of discouragement and defeat We ignore the one, endured all this and so much more, and emerged triumphant. We pray to God to alleviate the distractions from our task, to forgive us when we join our voices to the noisy and to the negative, the criticism and condemnation. We long to see our purpose in living for God's victory over despair. So let us recommit to a growing relationship with Christ this Lent, Through practices of examining ourselves, through prayer, fasting, self-denial, by reading and meditating on God's scripture, that we might rediscover our reliance on God for healing, forgiveness, and new life. Join me now in this time of confession before God, noticing our brokenness and the need for God's grace. Not your garments, return to your God. For God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I know well my misdeeds, and my sin is ever before me. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from sin. Let us ask God to bring forth light into the dark places of our hearts and to confront us with hidden and secret sin. All that we keep in the dark. Oh God, open our hearts to our preoccupation with ourselves, our lustful imagination. Oh God, to the buried grudge, the concealed hatred. Oh God, to the criticism of others we too easily see. bitterness of some past loss not yet offered to you. O God, open our hearts to the fear of failure which saps our initiative. O God, open our hearts to the absent courage as we stand silent rather than calling out injustice. O God, open our hearts to the pessimism that is an insult to your will. God open our hearts we bring our sins to you make your piercing light to be our healing for the sake of Jesus Christ who both taught us And everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. When you saw the affliction of your people, they cried to you, and you answered them, delivering them out of the hands of oppression. You brought them to a place you promised—a land flowing with milk and honey. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Christ, who was relentlessly tempted in the wilderness, yet he did not stray from your will and take the way easy out. He remained faithful and true. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick. Fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a living and holy sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. our heart, oh God, the names of those to whom we lift to you, who we know need your nourishing care, your guidance through tough decision, your voice of reassurance amidst discouragement. We lift specifically to you for healing Phil, Phil Milik, your presence to be with Pat Damasi, all those who are facing upcoming surgery. And for those who grieve, Lord, surround them with strength and reassurance of resurrection in Jesus Christ. We particularly pray for our world and the people of Ukraine, for those leaders who through their power can usher in peace, Lord, work in the minds and hearts of your people that we might overcome. on us gathered here now Lord and these gifts of bread and of juice and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood for whoever believes in him shall be saved by your spirit make us one with God one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and heavenly victory at his banquet table. Through your Son Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory. I invite those ushers who will be assisting with the distributing of communion to come down and be served first, and then they'll help guide you through the center aisle to approach the altar to receive the gift and grace of Jesus Christ and bread and juice. Feel free to spend time in prayer at the altar rail and return by the side aisles to your pew. The body of Christ broken for you. be to God, the blood of Christ that has been shed for you, receive this cup of salvation. Thanks be to God.
2: Help us accept each other on page 560 in our Red Book.
1: at the cross, those who both spoke words of hurt, that we might be knowledgeable of our words of pain, but also, as we see in the coming weeks, those who come to Christ comfort and care, that we might be those that live a new kind of ethic into life through our words and our actions. Go forth in sacrifice and humble devotion to Christ this Lenten season. In his name. Amen. Please join us in singing our
2: closing hymn, 417, O for our heart to praise my God.